0: This audio is brought to you by Muslim Central. Please consider donating to help cover our running costs and future projects by visiting www.muslimcentral.com forward slash donate. This is Yasmin Mujahid and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. We have begun a very important and uh, it seems hot topic uh, yesterday and we are continuing that discussion today. And that is on the topic of marriage. Uh, We are are taking your questions. I'm I'm receiving a lot of questions at serenity at onelegacyradio.com. That's the email to send your questions. We also had a very active discussion, alhamdulillah, on the chat box. I encourage you to continue to be involved uh, on the chat box and also to send your questions via our email, serenity at onelegacyradio.com. Uh, Today, we are going to continue on on this topic. We've spoken about the concept of marriage and how I believe that we have seen the concept of marriage in a way that is not balanced. We've seen the concept of marriage as being the end rather than being just a means. Uh, One of many means, one of many noble means to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Um, but, but ultimately, um, ultimately it is just a means and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala should be our final end. When we put things into a uh, proper perspective in that way, then we can start to choose our spouse and go about responding to situations that have to do with marriage in the proper fashion. I, I want to speak a, a little bit uh, before jumping into the questions uh, because this is also a question that many people have. Uh, and that is the question of choosing your spouse. Uh, what, what type of criteria should one be using? This is uh, I think, uh, sort of also a hot topic because a lot of uh, sisters, for example, tend to complain that that brothers tend to look too much at appearances, uh, that guys, that it seems that the most important uh, criteria for a lot of a lot of men or a lot of brothers is how does the how does the the potential look and i think that you know this obviously can go both ways it, it is a complaint that i hear a lot from sisters but i think in in talking about uh, criteria for choosing a spouse and when it comes to appearances i think it's important that we take a middle ro- a middle road uh on the one hand we cannot discount completely the importance of attraction uh within that relationship. We know this for example from a story that happened during the time of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, where a man came to the Prophet, peace be upon him, and said that uh, he was going to marry a woman, and the Prophet asked him, Have you seen her? And the man responded that he had not seen her. And the Prophet ﷺ at that point advised the man, go and look at her, go and see her. And this from this um hadith we learn a very important principle, and that is that yeah, attraction um is a is an, an important aspect of this relationship. It isn't something that can be completely discounted. However, I think that somewhere along the line we also have uh, unbalanced this into towards maybe having a little bit too much emphasis on the way a person looks and there is also a difference between uh, being attracted to someone and having someone fit a particular mold or a particular, uh, that their appearance needs to fit a particular mold. They need to be a certain size and they need to look a certain specific way. And anyone who doesn't fit that mold is immediately discounted, even when their dean is is better than many other people who may fit that mold. And I think that's where we fall into into a problem. What No one is saying that you should marry someone that you're not attracted to. However, uh, that person, in order to be attracted to someone, they don't need to look um, just like this particular mold that one has in mind or maybe that one saw on television or on magazines. But rather that there should be, yes, that it, attraction, but that attraction can happen with a, a whole different variety of of so-called molds of, of of different types of people and different types of appearances. And we really need to be careful about restricting ourselves so much that, you no, know, she, you know, my wife or my husband needs to look, you know, this way. And anyone who, who, who comes along who doesn't fit that specific standard is immediately rejected. And I've seen this happen a lot uh, and I think it's it's unfortunate, I think it's unfortunate that you'll see, for example, that when you're given a choice, there are you know for example some and i 'm going to use the example of sisters because it does happen a lot with sisters. Unfortunately, women in our society are more so judged on their appearances than than men are so you'll you'll find that there'll be a sister uh on the one hand who is extremely pious and extremely her character is 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 extremely noble and she doesn't necessarily fit that mold uh that maybe some, some men have in their mind. And you have another sister who who isn't necessarily as uh, matured or developed in her deen, uh, but she maybe fits that mold, maybe she's uh quite a bit younger as well. And and you see that even the very religious, so called quote unquote religious um brothers going for the the second one, the one who who fits the external mold? The younger one, who isn't necessarily as developed in in her dean or mature, and and actually. Uh, overlooking the other sisters because they don't fit that mold, and I've seen this happen so often, and it's very unfortunate, and it's very sad, uh, because ultimately, uh, you know, really, the the one who's losing out too is is the the brother himself, because this person is going to be your wife. Um, it's not it's not a, a picture that you're taking with someone, and, you know, it's it's um it's it's someone who you're going to live with. It's someone that you're going to is going to be the mother of your children. Uh, this isn't just someone who, who is going to be a trophy wife or, or whatever it is. And, and that isn't to say that necessarily, yes, it is true that, you know, religious brothers, they're not looking for a trophy wife. But unfortunately, there's still this this heavy, heavy emphasis on the way that she looks uh, to the extent that it becomes one of the most important. I, I've literally heard very, very religious brothers, uh, because I'm, you know, sometimes people will be at. You know, do you know someone? And I'm, and and I've heard, I've literally heard very religious brothers uh, when when kind of classifying what what they're looking for in a spouse. At number one is the, is looks, and it, and it just it's it's like it's a, it's a, as if it's a given that, that that's number one. And then after that, you see Dean coming along. And uh, again, I I don't I don't want to take a um, again. There's a balance. No one is saying that. There shouldn't be a sense of attraction. This is something that even the Prophet ﷺ emphasized uh, to his companion. However, we are, I think, being a little bit too um, superficial in a sense on the, on the side of what the person looks like, what the what the sister looks like, especially. Uh, and, and so, I, it is an advice. Uh, I think, and something to keep in mind when you are searching for a spouse. And this goes, of course, for both brothers and sisters. This this isn't to say that that, um, sisters don't do the same thing, but but overwhelmingly this is this is usually happening to the sisters on in terms of how they're being judged uh when someone is looking for a potential spouse you know you look at this, the, the how light is the skin and how thin is the sister and how young and and these kinds of things are kind of taking a little bit too much weight in the decision making and that's not a good sign uh ultimately everybody is uh, never going to look the same as they do today uh, in 20 years. And you're, you know, that after 20 years, this person, inshallah, is still going to be your wife, still going to be the mother of your children. And it's not going to matter so much what she looked like when she was 22. Uh, And so, like I said, there is is a balance. I don't agree with marrying someone that you're absolutely not attracted to. I don't think that that's actually necessarily going to fulfill one of the purposes of marriage, which is to, to guard your chastity and to be a garment for each other. Uh, however, uh, I think we have sort of tipped that balance a little bit too much towards appearances and towards the way that the sister looks. Uh, similarly, another problem that I see, and this maybe is something that that uh, the sisters maybe suffer from a little more too as well, uh, suffer from on the other hand, uh, or, or kind of something they're falling into perhaps, uh, the idea of and sometimes it's not just the sisters but it's the 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 sisters parents uh what does he do you know his the the occupation of the brother and how much money the brother makes uh this is also while no one is saying you know that you jump into something where there's no way for you to be financially supported etc uh but rather i think that there's also that doesn't mean that you necessarily need um an md with a particular specialization etc uh so there is also this i think on the other hand and a lot of times i have seen it come from the parents uh, mostly but but also you know the, the sisters themselves of just the the over emphasis on what is what does he do and how much money does he make again these are things that uh don't really uh determine how successful a marriage is going to be uh and and it's it's really as the prophet ﷺ told us in the hadith there are a number of different uh criteria are different aspects that a person can choose, choose their spouse. And uh, specifically in this hadith, he talked about, he was speaking to his companion. so he spoke about um, in choosing a wife. And he listed them, but he said that the one who chooses for deen will be the one who's successful. So this is something that we should consider as being, you know, one of the most important aspects in choosing a spouse, keeping in mind that you are Choosing the father of your children, you are choosing the mother of your children. inshallah that's that's um, that's important. That if you you know if you have a so-called supermodel wife um, or husband, but they don't have uh, good character, it's it's really not going to be very good for you down the line um, in terms of your relationship or in terms of the upbringing of your children. This this you know this aspect of, of what to choose is is incredibly important. Uh, So going to some of the questions that that I received, uh, one of them says, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Quran, among his signs is that he has created spouses for you among yourselves. And so she says, uh, or he says, does among yourselves mean from your country or race? What does Islam say about interracial or intercultural marriages? So this is um, also kind of a hot topic because it tends to happen a lot especially we live in countries especially when you live in countries like the United States where the muslim community is very international uh there you have people from all over uh the world uh eth- their ethnic background is is very international so you'll you'll you fall into this you you end up uh sometimes people are interested in marrying someone from a different race or a different ethnic group and the parents are not very keen on that. You, you know, sometimes the parents want the their children to stick with their own race or their own ethnic group. This is something that we hear a lot about. Uh, you know, this conflict uh, between the children and the parents in terms of in terms of marriage. Uh, does this ayah mean um, from among yourselves? Does it mean your your country or your race? I don't believe that's the tafsir of the ayah, um, but rather from from among yourselves um that we're made of like nature. Um and Allah knows best. That 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 Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala made one of the signs of Allah is that He made uh, f- f- someone of my like nature and uh that, that the spouse and the, the mate the the counterpart is of your like nature from among yourselves. Uh doesn't mean that they look like you or have the same skin color or the same passport uh but but that it's about, you know, it's that it's that internal nature that that you know, the they're both made from the same stuff, you know. The men and men and women both, although there are of course differences, but the but the all you know the the original nature is is the same. In terms of um, marrying, outside, does a What does a say about inter- interracial and intercultural marriages? Well, of course, systemically, uh, generally, there's there's nothing wrong with marrying someone from a different race, uh, and you know we we are told in the Quran that. That Allah Subhanahu wa Taala tells us that He made us into different nations and tribes, لتعرفه, In order for you to know one another. Yes, that, that you know that's that's definitely part of it. At the same time, uh, there are there. Are, it, it's a little bit more complicated than just that because, you know, when when it comes to parents, for example, and what do you do when your parents don't agree? And because this is not something, it is not something haram. Uh, to marry someone from a different race or a different ethnicity, but it's also not something obligatory. So we want to just clarify, it's not that you're required either. So it's one thing if there's something obligatory, something required by Islam, and and then your parents are forbidding you from doing it. For example, uh, your parents are forbidding you from praying, or your parents are forbidding you from wearing hijab, or your parents are forbidding you from, we- from, pr- from uh, fasting. In that case... Then you would you would you know you would be able to say that you you cannot obey someone who is who is keeping you from doing something that's obligatory or is who is or rather or if someone is commanding you to do something displeasing to Allah, you cannot obey that person. However, in this case, it's more of like a gray area because it is something mubah, it's something allowed. It's allowed to marry someone from a different race, but it's not <clears throat> it's not fard, right? It's not obligatory upon us it is possible to marry someone from the same race so this is where it gets into the this sort of difficult gray area and i would say just generally the advice uh, i would give about this is is give it to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala put it in allah's hands everything that happens is 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 under the will of allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so allah we know allah is the turner of hearts if allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills if allah wants he can change your parents' heart and He can he can make them open to this. But if Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala does not will, then no matter how badly we want something, it will not happen. Uh, whatever Allah wills will happen and whatever He does not will will not happen. Similarly, it's important to remember that we might really, really want something. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us, it may be that you hate something and it's good for you. And it may be that you love something and it's bad for you so we might really really want something but that does that is no indication of whether or not it's good for us we 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 have to be able to have the the insight to understand that allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows best and sometimes we might be attached to something that is not good for us and we have to be willing to give it uh, to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala we have to be willing to put it in allah's hands and to trust allah subhanahu wa ta'ala so I would say, while you may go about the halal means to get that thing that you want, whether it's marrying a particular person or someone of a different race, but then ultimately, being able to not attach yourself to it internally, so that if it doesn't work out, you're able to say, "Qadar Allah that Allah, His will is what is going to happen, that what Allah subhanahu wa taala wills and what He what He wants is what he does and what ha- ends up happening and knowing that that's actually for your own good. Allah does not want you to be hurt. Allah does not want bad for us. Rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wants what's best for us. It, it, so seeing these situations beyond the surface, seeing these situations sometimes we get caught up in well my my parents are the barrier here, right? My parents are the what's they're the ones who are blocking this from happening and 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 by doing that we we actually miss that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is on top that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala's will is above the will of our parents and the above our own will that this is as if you know you've done your part you've done everything you can and it just doesn't work out your parents are not agreeing you have to be able to understand that that's not just your parents but this is within the the decision of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala that it, that it, that this particular thing was not meant to be and if Allah wills it then maybe down the line a different person also maybe from that exact same other ethnicity comes along and this time Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills it Allah opens your parents' heart and it works out it is whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala wills being able to realize that i may love something and it is not good for me and that i may hate something and it's good for me so doing your part and then realizing all along while you're doing your part that whatever the outcome is it, you know we accept it and we and we and we and we understand that Allah knows best this is the essence of istikhara the essence of istikhara is asking Allah if this is good for me only if it's good for me then make it happen and if it's not good for me Then take it away from me And then bring me what is good for me And make me content with it We pray istikhara and then we leave it up to Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala While we may be trying But inside of ourselves, in our heart The state inside is that we're leaving it Up to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala I'm going to take a short break now And when we return We'll continue with your questions On the topic of marriage (laughs) Assalamu This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. We are talking today again about marriage and taking your questions about this very important topic. Uh, we, some people have asked in the chat box where you can send your questions. You can send your questions to Serenity at One Legacy Radio.com. That's Serenity at dot uh, there are many questions that are posted in the chat box. If I do not, if I'm not able to get to your question from the chat box, you can go ahead and email those questions to that email, serenity at onelegacyradio.com. There are a lot of really important uh, issues being addressed in the chat box. Uh, one of them has to do with um, with uh, a spouse who's watching porn, uh, pornography, and what what should the person do? Uh, I think that this is a, a topic which probably requires its own show so i don't want um you know th- this is an important topic i don't want you to think that it's being ignored uh but inshallah it, it it does require its own its own uh show i believe there are but i will say this there are places uh that are addressing this this issue of porn addiction uh specifically for muslims um one of them is called purify your gaze uh you can find it online uh, the website purify your gaze and, um, you know, I, I think it's extremely important that it's seen for, you know, as for what it is, uh, especially when it's something, uh, cons- you know, persistent and, and that it's it's like any other type of addiction and it does it does need to be treated. Uh, and we ask Allah Subh'anaHu wa Ta-A'la to make it easy for those who are suffering from that addiction and to protect us, uh, f- you know, f- from anything that uh, is, is displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Oh boy. Um Okay, so th- there's a lot of questions about infidelity. Um also you know, one one issue on the topic uh <clears throat> There's There's a number of, of questions also asking about how you know the method of choosing a spouse, I think this is a, this is a serious crisis that that a lot of single people are facing is how do you even find a, a, a spouse, right? We don't date. Uh, so how does how does a, a Muslim find a spouse in, a, in, a, in an Islamic way? And you know just to kind of clarify when I say we don't date, uh, the, the whole institution of dating, is something that's intended not to find a spouse. Uh that was back in the olden days. Um that was called courting. Uh courting was when you would get to know someone for the purpose of is this going to be my spouse? However, as we know, dating has uh often nothing oftentimes nothing to do with marriage. For example, people start dating when they're ten, right? They're obviously not looking for their spouse uh at that age. Uh similarly some people who never intend to get married are, are dating dating the institution of dating now is is just about sort of having fun you know hanging you know meeting this person spending some time with them but the intention is not many times uh, that I'm looking for someone uh, to marry and I'm I'm seeing if this is the person so even the the whole intent of of our islamic courting we could call it is very very different than than the general intent of dating and that is that we're looking for someone who we're going to marry. We're not just looking to to have a good time for for a while and then to move on. So the intent is extremely important in, in what distinguishes how we Muslims look uh, versus versus the, the institution of, of dating. Uh, similarly, uh, obviously the the dating is about being alone with the person and, and having a, basically a full-on relationship with the person as you would with a spouse, but except that you're not married. And Islamically, we know that that's not allowed. Uh, any any extramarital uh, relationship and physical relationship is is called zina and this is this is very uh, it's something forbidden in Islam but when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us to, to not com- uh, when Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forbids zina Allah does not just use the wording of um, s- do not fall into zina or do not commit zina but rather Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says La do not even be, do not even get close to zina And this is important uh, to understand. When I want my child to be protected from the fire, I wouldn't tell my child, go play with matches, but just don't get burned. I wouldn't say, you know, go play near the fireplace, but make sure that it doesn't, you know, touch you. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us. He doesn't tell us, you know, do everything and get, you know, get really, really close, but just don't do zina, right? Uh, Because that would naturally... Um, When you get close to something, you're more likely to fall into it. So Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is protecting us by saying do not even come close to zina. Not just do not fall into zina. Do not even come close. The question now is how do we get close to zina? What are those things that we do that get us close to zina? Well, Well, one of them obviously it starts from the very, very beginning. Let's like rewind, rewind, rewind. It starts with the unrestrained glance. It starts with not lowering your gaze. Very, very beginning. So, Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala actually puts barrier after barrier after barrier. You know, when you have a toddler and you want to keep them out of the kitchen or you want to keep them away from the stairs, you have these things like uh, the gates, right? The the toddler gates that you put up, uh, and sometimes you have many of them, right? You have one at the stairs, you have one outside the kitchen, and so there is like many different barriers for that child so that they don't end up falling down the stairs. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala puts many, many gates, many, many barriers from this, this, this place that he doesn't want us to fall into called zina, right? Um, and, and that's the physical relationship outside of marriage. Uh, so, so one of them from the very beginning is in lowering the gaze. That, that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala commands the believing women and the believing men to lower their gaze and, and to guard their chastity. It, it's a, it, The two are connected. That when you lower your gaze, that's part of guarding your chastity. It's so important. And this is something I think has, uh, for, for a large, uh, to a large degree, has been neglected. And that's guarding your eyes. Uh, being careful what you're looking at. Uh, that this is something, unfortunately, especially in a lot, even in in a lot of Muslim countries, you you'll notice that it's like it's like not rude to stare. <laughs> it's like kind of funny. Um, girls sitting on the bus, uh, and 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 it's just like you know, in America, a lot of times, even if the person thinks you're strange, like. They've been taught when they were young that, you know, it's rude to stare. You're not really supposed to stare. So they little, they kind of look up and then look down. and They're a little subtle about it. But when you go to some countries and there's no there's no subtlety, they're just staring. <laughs> and so this this idea of lowering the gaze, unfortunately, has been abandoned in, in, in a lot of our societies. We need to bring that back of guarding the eyes from the very beginning. That's the first barrier, the first step to guarding ourselves against zina. It, it starts with the glance. Not looking at what we're not supposed to be looking at. That's the first step. Uh, Another barrier that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us is modesty. Modesty in in behavior and modesty in dress. Both for men and for women. That's another barrier Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us to protect us from falling into zina. Another barrier that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives us is that a man and a woman, the Prophet tells us that a a man and a woman who are unrelated to each other, non mahram should not be alone together in khalwa. Uh, is is privacy that this a seclusion uh, that a man and a woman should not be alone in seclusion or else the third will be shaitan the third will be the devil this is also a, a protection because you think about it <clears throat> if you're never alone together then you wouldn't be able to fall into Zinam you know Hopefully, right? Uh, that that usually this happens in seclusion. So if you if you prevent that seclusion to begin with, then you're protecting yourself from from falling into zina. So there are a lot of different barriers, and obviously one of them, in terms of the modesty and behavior, is in the type of relationship that men and women have, and that the gender relations that it needs to be one of. Um, Of respect but also there's that there's some there's modesty there and there's some distance that it isn't so close and so personal uh that that's also uh the way in which you deal with the opposite gender is also a barrier to protect you from from falling into that Uh, so there are many barriers now we as believers if we go down if we go and we knock down every single barrier we're not guarding our eyes we are not, you know, behaving modestly or dressing modestly. We have, we're not uh, having the proper relationship between the genders. And then eventually we wonder why we fell into Zina. And you have to, when you look back and you see how did it happen? Well, there were a lot of choices that had to be made in order before you got there. It usually doesn't just happen uh, just like that. But rather there are a lot of barriers that had to be removed one by one by one. A lot of commandments. Of Allah subhanahu wa taala that had to be ignored in order to end up where you were, uh, so we need to come back to those commandments, starting from lowering the gaze and guarding the eyes. Uh, so in terms of meeting someone, you know, given given that this is this is our Islamic, um, you know, rules with regards to gender relations, uh, one person actually on the chat box uh, had shared that he himself had found his wife on um, on a, a Muslim a Muslim website for marriage and you know this is you know the the new age right with with the internet and there are a, a number of sites uh, where people can meet of course in a halal way using halal means uh, to meet people uh in that they wouldn't otherwise be exposed to on 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 these these sites but just making sure that people are serious right that people are not just trying to have fun but that this is a serious search for for a potential spouse a lot of times too is that other people who are married uh, or, or otherwise need to help each other out. That introducing people or or trying to, you know, say well, you know, maybe these two people could work out and maybe introducing uh, the families need to help uh, it's, it is becomes especially difficult for converts or reverts because their families are not Muslim. We need to try to help each other out in terms of introducing one another uh, for the sake of marriage. And there's a big reward in that, inshallah um, if, if, if done for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. <clears throat> Someone asks, <coughs> uh, that comment that I that I referred to says, My wife and I met on a Muslim marriage site. We talked daily for hours at a, at a time uh, before meeting a month later. I flew into her city and we met in a public space. Uh, we married three weeks after the meeting. Everything was halal and I recommend this method. You know, one thing to keep in mind too is, uh you know th- that even for sisters who don't have a muslim wali for example a revert or a convert and i got one message about that that there was a revert uh, and she wanted to marry a muslim man but her parents didn't agree because they didn't they didn't want her to marry a muslim and 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 basically she was she was conflicted she didn't know what to do in, in situations we, as a, as a, as a sister you you should have a wali um, as someone who has not been married before, uh, that you know, there's difference of opinion regarding a woman who has been married before. But with regards to a woman who's been married before, having a wali, uh, it's 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 your father, unless your father is not a Muslim, in which case it would go to your you know next male relative who's a Muslim. If you have no male relatives who are Muslim, then you can appoint um, a sheikh or somebody a male that you trust to be your wali. And the whole purpose of having a wali. Is that there is this person who has your best interests in mind and who is there to, inshallah, protect you from from maybe people who might want to take advantage of you. So this is this this should also be um, part of the process, uh, inshallah. the The next question says, <clears throat> "What if I'm what if I'm doing du'a and marriage is not happening? I'm nearly twenty nine. Please help." So this is. This is again a question. A lot of people are in this situation. They feel very frustrated because they're, you know, they're getting older and they're they're trying everything to get married and they, they can't find someone or they're not able to get married. Uh, I think that the way we should understand this is the way we understand any type of risk that Allah Subhanahu wa Taala gives. Uh, that we and this this comes down to yeah, after you've you're doing your part and, and while you're doing your part. It, it's a sense of internally: Do I accept what Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala has chosen for me? Do I accept the will of Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala as being what is best for me at this time? And this takes a lot of iman. This takes a lot of trust in Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala, trust in the that the doctor knows what he's doing. Right? You go to the doctor, you get you get a um, you know a diagnosis. Uh, the doctor says, okay, you need to do this. Uh, that y- and 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 you trust what the doctor is doing. Here, Allah subhanahu wa taala is the one taking care of us. Allah is the you know the ultimate doctor. Allah is the one taking care of us and treating us. And Allah knows best when is the best time for us to have certain things and when is the best time that that those things need to be withheld. Know for a fact that even when Allah withholds, He is still giving. Allah withholds and He is still giving. Allah gives sometimes by giving and Allah gives sometimes by withholding. This is how Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he, in His wisdom, He knows when is the time that we need something and when is the time when it is, you know, it's not necessarily best for us. So what I would say to this sister or to this brother who is who is trying very hard and using all different means and different, using all different methods and it's not working out, this is where contentment comes in this is where trust this is this is where these concepts that we talk about in books uh, are tested the concept of tawakkul the concept of trust in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala the concept of rida the concept of of contentment being content with whatever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala decrees and the and the concept of sabr patience this is these are real life you know we can we can talk all we want uh, about these concepts in books and in lectures and in khutab but But this is where it's tested. When you aren't getting something you really want, when you aren't getting something that you've tried for 10 years to get and you can't get it, when you've tried for 12 years to have a child and you you can't have a child, this is where these concepts are really, really tested. And it's only by testing something that it's really built. You know, if you really want to be someone who, who has who has contentment, if you really want to be someone who has this this beautiful quality of rada and, and who is someone who has tawakkul, it needs to be tested. That's how it's built. That when you're put in a situation like this, and what is your response? I'm trying everything I can. I'm doing everything, but it isn't happening. Now what? This is a test. We know that this entire life, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in Surah Al-Mulk, he is the one who created death and life in order to test you which of you are best in deeds. It's all a test ultimately. This time we have on this earth is a test. Allah will send us things that will test us. And in this case, this is a test for you, sister, or for you, brother, that you are not able to get married yet. And you're trying everything and you're not able to. This is a test from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. But know this, that if you respond properly to this test, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala will give you something better than whatever it is that you have, uh, have lost or whatever it is that you're not able to have. Allah will reward you in this life and the next. But this is part of trust. This is part of tawakkul in Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Do we trust Him? Do we trust that He knows best for us? And do we trust that He will reward us for our patience, inshallah ta'ala? We will take another short break now. And returning, we will continue the discussion on marriage. <laughs>
1: Assalamu
0: salamu This is Yasmin Mujahid, and you're listening to Serenity, streaming live on One Legacy Radio. We are taking your questions about marriage, and the next question that we will cover uh, has to do with what do you do when you love someone? Uh, maybe they're your spouse or maybe a potential spouse, and they are not behaving the way that you want them to. Uh, maybe uh, they're not as committed in the deen, and, and how should you respond? So the question says, this is something that has been bothering me for a very long time. And I have made so much dua about it. Mashallah, I have a nice and very loving husband. We have three children, Allah. When we first were married, then I knew that he practiced the deen in terms of praying, fasting, and reading Quran. And I did the same. At the same time, I did not have the sense to look deeper into the deen. After we had children, of course, it is a turning point for most people. I started to become a student of the deen again, so to speak. I started listening to more lectures and trying to practice on a deeper level, I guess. Unfortunately, my husband did not follow suit, and he is often bothered by the things I say in terms of Islam. I try to be more careful about the things we eat and to do more of the sunnah. I feel like he has no interest in learning more, and it often causes strife in our marriage. I love him so much, and I just want him to gain more ajr, good deeds, and so I say... Uh, it not to bug him but so that he can also implement it into his life and in turn our children's life and in turn our children's lives inshallah i don't know if i should just leave him alone or if i should keep trying beautiful question Uh, this is um, i think a really great question to talk about this issue of of balancing uh, you know how do we sort of the personal aspect of our deen and and the the nasiha right the the more public or uh, aspect of it so uh, what i what i think we need to emphasize here is there are certain minimum i think certain uh, requirements that allah Subh'anaHu Wa Ta-A'la has put down for us in terms of our deen and in terms of uh, you know, seeking a spouse, or or you know that what your spouse is doing. Those min- those minimal requirements are the salah, right? The the prayer five times a day at least, right? The five prayers, fasting in Ramadan. You know, giving zakah, the the five the the five pillars as we know. Reading Quran. So alhamdulillah, I would say, sister, uh, to you, sister, that that your husband, alhamdulillah, is doing these things. Your husband is praying, your husband is fasting, your husband is even reading Qur'an, alhamdulillah. A lot of people, they may pray and fast, but they never even open the Qur'an. So alhamdulillah, your husband is is a good practicing brother. The fact that we decide that we want to take uh, perhaps a different route and and maybe start to learn more and to start to build ourselves more towards Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's a beautiful decision. And, and we hope that inshallah we all try to take a sort of a you know, a deeper path to Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. However, uh, I think we have to be very, very careful and use something called hikma, uh, wisdom, in terms of how we then um, try to impose that on others. Uh, th- if this is something that is not required by Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala it is not necessary for us to try to impose it on our spouse and in fact when we do uh, maybe try to impose too much it actually has the uh, often has the opposite uh, effect and that will maybe push the spouse farther away from that uh, you know that aspect of the dean because any usually people and especially men don't like to be told what to do don't like to be to feel that they're being pressured or or being um, looked down at or um, you know judged or any of these kind these are these are feelings that that we um, naturally sort of become defensive when we feel those things so it's really really important that you inshallah don't don't make your your spouse feel that you are maybe more religious and you want them to be like you but rather you know alhamdulillah like i said as long as your your spouse is not doing something haram your spouse alhamdulillah is practicing uh, the fact that you want to take a, a particular way to allah subhanahu wa ta'ala particular route alhamdulillah that's that's wonderful may allah subhanahu wa ta'ala bless you but it does not need to be something that that you impose on your spouse. And if it is something you want your spouse to share with you, there are there are w- ways to do that that are more subtle. There are ways to do that with hikmah, with with wisdom. We do, yes, we. Our hope is that this is a path that we can take together with our spouse, our spouse. However, it is not a requirement, and we need to not make that a requirement. It is okay for you to wake up and pray qiyam by yourself. It is okay. It doesn't. You don't have to take a. Um, <laughs> a frying pan, and you know, go hit your spouse over the head at 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 PM time, and say, "Get up and pray with me right now." Um, but it's okay that that you're praying by yourself. There is there is an aspect of this path that 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 should be on your own, between you and Allah Subhanahu Wa Taala. If, however, your spouse is doing something like drinking or, or smoking or doing something that is, you know, displeasing to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, this is when you, you then need to address it in the most beautiful way possible and with hikmah still, with with wisdom. But the fact that, that your spouse is not doing these extra things that you're doing, uh, that's okay, you know, we, we make dua Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, you know, increases them and increases us. But w- we don't know, you know, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala knows the hearts. And, and uh, you know, again, as long as this person is practicing and mashallah doing things that a lot of uh, a lot of people, their spouses are nowhere near, alhamdulillah, what you have. So alhamdulillah that, that your spouse is that way. I think what you what would be good uh, and maybe what would actually motivate him more is to actually show more appreciation uh, for what he is doing. And uh, like Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala tells us in the Qur'an. Uh, that if you if you wa in this is a principle that that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is teaching us if you are thankful we will increase you Allah says now this principle is a universal principle when you are thankful to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala he increases you but also when you are thankful with the creation, when you are thankful with people, they also increase you. So they will actually give more when you show appreciation for what they're already doing. That actually is the best way to motivate people. It, it actually is not through criticism. It is not through making the person feel that they're not doing enough, but rather thanking them for what they are doing. And then when you when a person feels appreciated, when a person feels especially You know, for men, it's important that the man feels that, um, you know, he's being respected and that and that, um, you know, that 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 even maybe there's some some admiration, maybe you're looking up to him. That's really what motivates men. And if you want him to, you know, be more uh, of of sort of a leader for you in in terms of the dean and, and kind of be with you in that in that path. The best way is really to, is not to, to make him feel like, uh, like he's not doing enough, but rather, you know, build him up in terms of, of respect and, and, and appreciation, inshallah ta'ala. Uh, the next question. Um, it says, <clears throat> I want to marry a man, but he is not ready at all to learn about Islam. Though born Muslim, I cannot talk to my parents unless he is religiously committed. I pray for him to change. How do I help him if he doesn't want to change his condition? So now we have a similar question. Um, But this is before marriage. Uh, This sounds like this person is not necessarily very committed, um, may or may not be praying uh, and fasting and reading Quran as in the other situation. And the person is asking, how can we change someone or help someone change it doesn't want to and the answer is you really can't (laughs) Uh, you cannot you you can do your best uh, in terms of advice you can do your best in terms of nasiha but ultimately you cannot make someone change who doesn't want to change and so it's 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 actually very unwise to go into a situation with the uh, assumption and the the assumption that this person will change it is extremely unwise to do that you take a person for what they are before you get married, you take it at face value, this is the way the person is now, assume that this is the way they will be, and don't have wishful thinking that, no, I'm, you know, going to close my eyes, and and I'm going to, I'm going to change them, and I'm going to mold them into exactly what I want, this is extremely unwise, and foolish, and and it's, and it's, it's not, it doesn't make for a very good relationship either, because nobody wants uh, someone, you know, both, both ends, right, you don't want to be going into a a relationship expecting something that isn't going to happen and then being very disappointed similarly no one wants to be married to someone who's constantly trying to change them Uh, this isn't this isn't doesn't make for a very strong relationship and you don't want to be with someone who's constantly trying to mold you and change you but you want to be accepted and so this this acceptance is important that at the very beginning before you get married you need to ask yourself: Is this the way that they are right now? Is this something that I uh, can accept? Is this something that I want for my spouse, and and is it something that I want for for the mother or father of my children? And if it's not, then you you need to be realistic. Uh, but 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 saying that you know, well maybe they'll change later, or maybe I'm going to change them, or I'm going to. Uh, it's not fair. It's actually not fair to you, and it's not fair to that other person as well. So so keeping in mind that. That the idea of, of um, what a person is, uh, it, it's not something that you should, you should just assume that you're going to mold and you're going to change, inshallah. Um, I'm going to take a very short break right now. And when I return, I'm going to be taking one more question from the chat box. Assalamu alaikum. This is Yasmeen Mujahid, and we are streaming live on Serenity. Uh, We are wrapping up the show today, listening to your questions about marriage. And uh, we want to remind you to tune in again tomorrow. Uh, Serenity is on every day, Monday through Friday, at the same time. And we are live at 11 Pacific, 6 p.m. GMT. Uh, We are going to take some last questions. Uh, There are some questions that are related. Uh, One of them has to do with uh, being... Sort of controlling over her husband and not, and and, um, and sort of mean only with him as opposed to others. Another question says, um, my husband postpones salah to about five minutes before the next salah, and I keep reminding him, but he doesn't get up until like five minutes before. Then he misses it and prays it. Uh So these, you know, this is a similar topic uh, about again, you know, kind of um, the wife not knowing exactly. How to interact with the husband if there's something she doesn't like or something that 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 may be wrong, I say first and foremost uh, when when this is again someone you're already married to, uh, it's important that first and foremost we realize يشاء, that you do not guide those who you love, but Allah guides whom he wills. We are not the bearer of guidance uh, that Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala is the only one who can guide uh, even the prophet I sent him could not guide his own uncle this is in Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala's hands that's one aspect so making a lot of du'a for the person that we care about if there's something that they're doing that's wrong or that's harming themselves such as being late for salah. and that is that is something that is that is very very heavy with Allah Subhanahu wa ta'ala so we ask Allah to to make us among those who who pray in its proper time and at the beginning if possible of of the time allotted Uh, However, it's also important to really focus on the concept of humility. Uh, One of the problems with when we... We start to take the path to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala And maybe we're starting to increase in our r- Religious devotion and in our, in our Rituals and in our ibadah. Is that sometimes it can get to us And sometimes we can feel more righteous Than others, we can feel a sense of Self-righteousness and that's very very Dangerous and in fact that disease In and of itself can be more dangerous And more sinful than the sin that we are That we're looking at and that we're looking down upon uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala Warns us against this and the Prophet sallam uh, That we should never look down down in another person who we see as doing a sin because the truth is we also sin and we also have our struggles but if we're not able to see our own sins and we're not able to see our own struggles and we have a more serious problem than the person who we are uh, you know, looking at this doesn't mean that we don't care about others and we don't try to advise other others, but it needs to be from a place of humility and never ever from a place of self righteousness or arrogance, uh, because that means that that I personally inside of me have a, have a more serious problem that I need to deal with. Realizing that we also we're all fallible, we ask Allah Subhanahu wa Taala to guide us, to guide our families, and to make it easy on us to to, to seek this path to Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and to be humble to Him. qawli hadha wa لكم إنه غفور رحيم والسلام عليكم ورحمة الله وبركاته